The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. And the U.S. announcing a new maritime task force to protect commercial vessels in the Red Sea. Let's get to Ed Baxter in the Bloomberg Newsroom. Eddie? All right. Thank you, Douglas. A threat comes from attacks by Houthi rebels. And in a statement, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin says the reckless attacks threaten the free flow of commerce. He says an international challenge. Meanwhile, he's met with Israeli Prime Minister, uh, I, beg, I beg your pardon, Defense Minister Yov Gallant to try to map out a plan whereby Hamas can be controlled and the killing in Gaza stopped. We're working to ensure that this conflict does not escalate beyond Gaza. But as we are driving to stabilize the region, Iran is raising tensions by continuing to support terrorist groups and militias. Now, Gallant says, though, Israel's goal is very clear. We must take a stand. The world is watching us now. This includes our enemies, Hamas, Hezbollah, and Iran. The image they see today is powerful. As we stand here, united. Now, Gallant says a threat from Iran and the terrorists can only happen if Hamas is wiped out. Meanwhile, Austin did say today that Israel has every right to defend itself, so a bit of softening the Biden position of cautioning about civilian deaths in Gaza. As well, he said the U.S. will not dictate the war's timeline. But then, the U.S. has put Israeli defense forces under criticism again, this time for the sniper deaths of two women at a church in Gaza over the weekend. White House National Security Spokesman John Kirby says the news is very disturbing. We are deeply concerned about it. We have raised specific concerns about uh, about it with uh, Israeli counterparts, and you know, and we'll continue uh, to do so. Uh, Kirby says the U.S. and its allies have encouraged the IDF to be more careful in their tactical operations, um, and he says we're deeply concerned about it. We have raised specific concerns about it with Israeli counterparts, so we'll continue to do so. And we'll have more, by the way, on the uh, Red Sea shipping lanes in just a few minutes here on Daybreak Asia. Funding well still stuck in the U.S. Senate. Two sides say some progress, but Bloomberg Selena Motion says looking more and more like next year. It seems like they are going to go home. I think the key problem here is that everyone is trying to put a different shade of lipstick on this pig. Mm. Democrats are worried that if they make too many concessions to Republicans' demands on border security, there's going to be some progressives on the Democratic Party and their way, that side of the part of the party, that is not going to be able to stomach a yes vote. And there's a similar dynamic playing out on the Republican side. And uh, the Pentagon is saying that seemingly money for buying more munitions for Ukraine runs out the end of the calendar year. It's clear now that North Korea fired two missiles over the weekend, one an intercontinental ballistic missile that says can reach all portions of the United States. Uh, U.S. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller says the U.S. is deeply concerned. They pose a threat to the DPRK's neighbors and undermine regional security. Uh, We urge all countries to condemn these violations and to fully implement relevant U.N. Security Council resolutions which are in place to impede the DPRK's 
unlawful WMD and ballistic missile programs. And he asks for other countries to join in the condemnation. Southwest Airlines being fined $140 million for last year's holiday meltdown, where nearly 17,000 flights were canceled. Department of Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg says the message should resonate. This record penalty is holding Southwest accountable for their failures, and it is sending a message to the entire industry with a new standard, a new level of accountability. And he says it should be made a universal punishment. Global News, 24 hours a day, whenever you want it, with Bloomberg News Now. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter. This is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Let's get to the business news flow now, and we'll begin with the Bank of Japan. The BOJ later today is widely expected to keep its policy intact. Nearly all 52 economists surveyed by Bloomberg are forecasting no change in either the BOJ's short-term rate, which, to remind you, is at a negative 10 basis points, or in the yield curve control program. Here's Bloomberg's Taro Kamura. The market suspects another um, surprise this month, particularly after uh, last year's December uh, crude as YCC surprise. Um, that's understandable, but the governor changed. And with his communication, although he had to um, tweak uh, YCC a little bit in July, in October, but I think his baseline is he don't want to make a huge uh, surprise and shock to the financial market. That is Bloomberg's Taro Komura. Now, recently, some BOJ officials have commented on some exit scenarios, and maybe the market looked at that as sign of imminent change. However, Bloomberg Economics sees the messaging as part of a long process of laying the groundwork for smooth transition sometime next year. Stateside, more Fed officials are pushing back against expectations of rate cuts early next year. Today, the head of the Chicago Fed, Austin Goolsby, told CNBC he was surprised by the market's reaction to last week's quarterly update from the Fed. I was confused uh, a a bit with the, was the market just imputing, here's what we want them to be saying? I thought there was seem to be some confusion about how the FOMC even works. We don't debate specific policies speculatively about the future. Chicago Fed Bank President Austin Goolsby there separately today. The head of the Cleveland Fed, Loretta Mester, along with her San Francisco counterpart, Mary Daly, were suggesting expectations for rate cuts in early 2024 were simply premature. 
Apple will stop selling the latest versions of its smartwatch here in the U.S. This move comes in response to a patent dispute with the medical tech firm Massimo. Massimo says it had invented this blood oxygen sensor, which is a feature added to the Apple Watch models. That was done back in 2020. Now, back in October, the U.S. International Trade Commission ruled that Apple violated Massimo's patents and would need to halt sales of those infringing devices. Now, a presidential review of that order is now underway. It will not end until December the 25th. We heard earlier from Dan Ives, managing director at Wedbush Securities. He doesn't think smartwatch sales will be impacted in the long run. There have been some issues on the on the Apple Watch side, and a lot of it is really around models in terms of what they're trying to drive. I view this as just a small bump in the road, but I actually think watch sales this holiday season are going to be up double digits. So, so I, view, I view this as sort of noise relative to the broader story. That is Dan Ives, Managing Director at Wedbush Securities. U.S. Steel has agreed to be acquired by Japan's Nippon Steel. The price tag here is $14.1 billion, that is equity. There is some debt involved. I think the total number is closer to 14.9. This deal, by the way, would create the world's second largest steel company and the biggest outside of China. And it comes after U.S. Steel rejected an offer from rival Cleveland Cliffs. That offer was merely seven and a quarter billion made back in August. Here is Bloomberg's Brooks Sutherland. It is certainly a very robust premium. I mean, I think that underscores the value of these assets, especially in the context of the sheer uh, amount of investment we're seeing in the U.S. in infrastructure and also in factory construction. You need steel to make all of those things. U.S. steel has also been pivoting toward um, greener production strategies, all of that is very valuable. And these are scarce assets. There's not that many big um, steel companies left to purchase. And for Nippon, uh, the ability to gain a really strong foothold in the U.S., I think, is what's really driving this premium here. That is Bloomberg's Brooke Sutherland. By the way, Nippon still, this is going to require some shareholder approval from U.S. Steel shareholders, and it will near uh, need to clear regulators, including the Committee on Foreign Investment here in the U.S., or CFIUS. Shares in U.S. Steel today were up by more than 26%. Shipping in the Red Sea is grinding to a halt, and some oil tankers are now idling. Others are rerouting around the southern tip of Africa. This comes as violence linked to the Israel-Hamas war threatens to undermine the global economy. Here's Bloomberg's Jennifer Welsh. It's definitely going to increase some time for shipments as well as shipping rates. And it's about a 40% increase to go around the southern tip of Africa versus going through the Red Sea through the Suez Canal. So I think that's definitely a concern for the near term. That is a Bloomberg's Jennifer Welch. By the way, BP said it will pause all shipments through the Red Sea, and uh, we'll have more on that coming up here on uh, Daybreak Asia. Right now from the Bloomberg terminal, Hunter Biden will be arraigned January 11th in that tax case. The arraignment will happen in Los Angeles. Joining us now is Gene Munster, managing partner at Deepwater Asset Management, for the latest news on uh, Apple. Gene, pleasure to have you on the program. So with the company saying to that it's going to halt U.S. sales of smartwatches after this uh, patent dispute and the loss that it suffered as a result of that dispute. Put that in context to me. How significant is this for Apple? So they don't break out watch as a percentage of revenue, but we backed into it. This is something that we've been modeling for the past seven years, and it's about 5% of their total revenue comes from watch. It's growing at 
call it 10 to 15% year over year, which is much faster than the iPhone, which is basically flattish year on year. So it's an important, it's it's measurable, 5%. It's growing at a, at a good clip relative to the rest of their businesses. And most importantly, his watch is kind of central to uh, Apple's health and wellness initiatives. This device, Apple, as many of your listeners know, they've talked about health and wellness as being the signature topic that they want to be known for over time. And innovating around the watch, like this oxygen sensor, is an important part of that story. What's the workaround here? Is there a way that Apple can reintroduce the oxygen sensor under different uh, circumstances? Potentially. I think that the more likely workaround is that they just simply get some direction from President Biden and that essentially he says that uh, we made a mistake and we're going to let Apple continue to, to do business. I think that's why Apple is playing the cards that they're playing right now. They're expecting this reversal from the Biden administration. If that doesn't happen, uh, they can uh, re-engineer it. That's uh, on the more difficult side of the scale. The less difficult side is to just pay the royalty. And they've so far said they don't want to pay that royalty. There is a precedent for them paying patent. There's many of them we don't hear about. Some of them do come to trial back in 2007. So you got to go back, call it 16 years. But there's a company called Burst.com that had some uh, intellectual property around the iPod. And they had to pay, Apple paid them out $10 million one-time licensing fee for that. So... If you market cap adjust that, that's a $400 billion payout today. Apple is not going to pay out $400 billion for this oxygen sensor. I think they ultimately find a way to pay out probably um, single millions of dollars and move on. Gene, let's move on from the Apple Watch and talk a little bit about the iPhone because over the weekend we had indications that more agencies in China and government-backed firms in China have ordered staff to simply stop bringing iPhones and other foreign devices to work. This is not the first time that Apple has been confronted with kind of similar restrictions in China. This is a big market for this company, but I saw some data uh, from IDC. China's premium smartphone market, Apple's share of that smartphone market, I think is now 54%. That's an October reading. A year ago, Apple had about 80% of that market in China. So this is a very, very different world for Apple right now. What does it mean for the company longer term? It's just harder to grow in China. And China, as you said, it's important. is 20% of revenue. And iPhone is of that 20%. It's going to, iPhone is about 12% of, iPhone in China is about 12% of Apple's overall revenue. So it matters when you see that share drop. Uh, the China business is a surprise. It's still been in decline, but has been declining less than people thought. But it doesn't change the A topic. And the A topic is Apple has to find other ways to diversify outside of China. They've talked a lot about India. India has a lot of people, but the per capita income is about one-fifth per person in India versus China. And so uh, I think that the answer is that they need to prepare for essentially, I'll call it a post-China world, whether it's on the demand side and separately on the manufacturing side. Um, that's a little bit dramatic to call it that way because they'll still always be doing business in China, always still be manufacturing, but I think it, that will become a much smaller part of their business in the next five years. Well, we know the company's already intending to manufacture some iPhones for the market in India because I think the government has uh, pretty tight regulations when it comes to selling devices in the country. A certain percentage of that manufacturing has to happen domestically. If you were giving 
Apple guidance on how to approach the market in India, what would it be? I think they're taking the right approach. They're uh, slowly starting to build their brand. They've got a couple stores, uh, but I would take it, I guess my advice would be to be more aggressive. India is a tough nut to crack for the reasons that you talked about, but they do want Western investment and they do. Apple is a, a well-regarded brand. And so my advice would just be go a lot faster. It's to try to shift off from more than half of your revenue being manufactured in China to manufacturing more of it in India. Uh, you just need to go fast because it's such a a, a, a great amount of uh, production and revenue to to move over. So that's the 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 one piece. And then separately is just to be more aggressive. They're good at doing this in China, but at making small tweaks to the phone that optimize for the country to localize the phone. And I think they can do more there, which will be positive for demand for iPhone in India. Speaking of positivity, are you positive on Apple? Very quickly, Gene, for twenty twenty four. Absolutely. Uh, uh, just stand by for Vision Pro. It's going to come out early next year. Spatial computing is going to be a big deal, and Apple's going to benefit from it. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want optimized for higher level analysis and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move our data is made for more so you can show the world what you're made of visit bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more